0: Morning, everybody. Uh, it's nice to be with you here. Thank you so much for the invite um, to come and share with you. And you know, when Jesus is lifted all the way up, uh, there's some things that change in our lives. And the first thing we realise is that it's through Jesus uh, that we are set free. Our chains are broken. We can experience life and freedom in the Spirit. Um, it's through Jesus that we can experience victory, even though it's a bit of a paradox because we know we are victorious, yet we're still struggling in the war of life. And it's through Jesus that we come to realize that there is absolutely nothing that can separate us from his love. And we're going to be journeying through a bit of Romans chapter 8 this morning, so I invite you just to, to open up with me. And I'm just going to read a little bit of scripture and just and just share some of my some of my thoughts and some of my study on it. Romans chapter 8. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. Romans chapter 8. I'm reading from verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemns sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their mind on the things of the Spirit. For to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the Spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, and it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. You who are verse nine, you however are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If in fact the spirit of God dwells in you, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What's your experience of Christianity been? And when we think about it, there's really only two experiences of Christianity. And if I'm I'm going to be really honest with you, I actually um, yo-yo between the two experiences. Maybe that's what it means to be human, is not to have it all together. But here in Romans chapter uh, 8, it's really clear that therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Firstly, that is a declaration that God is proclaiming on our life. There is no condemnation. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. And something we see here is in those verses that I read there's two opposing laws. There's the law of the spirit, there's the law of freedom, there's the law of life, and then there's the law of sin, death and flesh. And and what we see is these two wars are these two laws are at war with each other. They're like total enemies, they're polar opposites. And But there's a huge dilemma for the Christian in these verses. And the more we study about the law of the Spirit and of life and of freedom, and the more we study about the law of death and sin and the flesh, the bigger the dilemma gets for the Christian. Because this is the dilemma. The Spirit, the law of the Spirit and of life and of freedom... And the law of sin, death, and flesh is one and the same law. They're not actually two different laws. They're actually one and the same law. In fact, there's only one law in all of Scripture. But what the Bible is talking about here in Romans chapter 8 is your experience of that one law. Is you, are you going to experience the Word of God in, in life, in freedom, and through the Spirit? Or is your experience of it through sin, death, and flesh. And if I'm going to be really honest with you, I'm a bit of a yo-yo back and forth. And perhaps this is what it means to be human. It's the struggle of whether we're going to experience salvation of God through our own efforts, which is to experience sin, death, and the flesh, or whether we're going to experience salvation through God's method alone. What has your experience been of salvation or to the law? And this is, this is the thing about the first method, the first method which is the sin, flesh and death. It, is, it simply is a description of human nature in its entirety. So when we come to this idea of God offering us salvation, how are you going to grasp hold of it? Are you going to grasp hold of it through your own efforts? And I know that's how I first tried to experience salvation, and maybe some of you are with me as well. When I first heard the good news of Jesus Christ, how he died on the cross for me, the first thing I tried to do was be a better person. Has anyone ever, is that it? Well, maybe I'm just alone on that one. But you know, the first thing, you know what, I was in grade 12, and I was like, you know what, today, I'm not going to get in trouble once at school, because I want to be saved. I don't want to be lost. I want to go to heaven one day. And uh, how do you think I felt at the end of that day, when I was put on um, after school detention and things like this. Oh man, it resulted in this fear between me and God. It's right, tomorrow's a brand new day, I'm going to try even harder. And the harder I tried, the more I experienced salvation through this idea of the flesh, which just means human nature, sin and death. But the second experience of the law, um, which is through Christ Jesus, is represents when we experience salvation through God's method alone. And this is the thing about God's method alone: it's not fifty percent God and fifty percent human, right? We've all heard the thing like "do your best, let God do the rest." You know, we've all heard those sayings before, and and um, you know, yeah, God's love is for free, but you've got to look like you want it, and you know, all these things that just come naturally to us when we think of salvation or the law of God. But when it comes to experiencing the law through the Spirit and through freedom and through life, it actually means it's all of God and none of me. It means when we come to salvation, we experience the law of life and Spirit because it's not even just 99% God and 1% me trying to um, come into the law of God or to salvation. It's 100% God and 0% of me. And that is the way the Christian experiences the law of God through the Spirit, through life, and through freedom. In fact, the Spirit doesn't just mean the Spirit, the Spirit also means divine power, which means there's no humanity involved in experiencing freedom whatsoever. What has your experience of salvation been? Has it been one through your own efforts, like me, uh, which always results in the sin in flesh, in death? Or has your experience of salvation been one of the spirit of life and of freedom? It's a powerful thing here in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. It says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That's a powerful thing to say, isn't it? Therefore, there is now no condemnation. That's, that's actually saying we deserve condemnation We deserve to experience the law through sin and death and the flesh. But because of Christ Jesus and what he has done for us, therefore there is now no condemnation. You can put yourself aside and rest wholly in Jesus Christ. What's your experience of Christianity been? Working with young people. You know, young people, and sometimes I look out and consider myself young. Only joking, Dale. But, you know, I'm getting old now. My hair's falling out. But one of the things that I, I really see among many young people is this natural human tendency. And the question is, but what if? God's love, we can experience freedom and, and, and life through the Spirit. Therefore, there is now no condemnation. But what if? But what if this happens? And what if I do this and this and this? And what if, what if you know I make this mistake or that mistake? Has anyone ever asked that question before when it comes to experiencing salvation? But what if? And here, there is, therefore, there is now no condemnation through Christ Jesus, and there is no but what if. It's if you were in Christ Jesus, there is no condemnation. And one of the things um, that we really struggle with, because it's a natural way to think, is that, but I have to somehow be a better person. I have to somehow improve myself. I have to somehow have my life together. And I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, one of the, I'm not a type A personality that can get up 5am every morning and go to the gym because it was my New Year's resolution. Right? I'm the type of person who makes a New Year's resolution and I really am genuine about it, but the next on January 2, it's like, nah, I'll just stop at Macca's on the way to work and that can be my breakfast. Right? That's just my personality. And God's not expecting people who have strong willpowers to be able to sort their, their own life out. God wants us to experience salvation through his spirit, through freedom, and through life, which means we put ourselves aside and rest wholly in Christ Jesus. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So what's your experience of salvation been? Has it been through the law of sin and death and the flesh, or has it been through the spirit and life and freedom? We read on in, in, in Romans Chapter 8, and we move on down to verse 31. I'll just put that aside. Verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that who was raised back to life. Who is at the right hand of God, who indeed indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution, famine, nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long? We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, no in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. See, there's a powerful thing about not having condemnation through Christ Jesus. And this is where, in the heart of Romans chapter 8, is really leading to this, 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 this great climax that we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now, if you were to look at your own life, do you feel like you're more than a conqueror? I know I don't. Because, because it's not because I don't think I'm a good person or I don't live by certain morals, but because I know inside me I have an ability um, to turn my back on God at any given chance. I have an ability inside me to, to willfully turn my back on God's will for my life, to chase my own, my own plans for my life, whatever that may be. And, and, and this is where we come to the great paradox of Christianity, Even though you were considered to be a sheep led to the slaughter, you were still more than conquerors. You were still more than victorious. It doesn't make sense. We're sheep led to be the slaughter, which means like you got no defense. You're on your way to the slaughterhouse. Uh, There's nothing you can do to stop it. Yet because of Christ Jesus and what he has declared on your life of no condemnation, you are considered to be more than a conqueror. It's a great paradox. Now, I just want to share with you a little bit of Greek stuff for a second. I'm a Greek, so but I can't speak Greek. So if there's any Greek speakers here, please excuse me. And um, happy Greek Easter. But, uh, you know, I'm not the best at English, by the way, either. So people don't even know what I speak sometimes. But, uh, you know, when someone says to you, I'm betterer than you, maybe it could be a little kid, or if you're talking to me, it's going to be me that says stuff like that. Paul here uses the word, you are more than conquerors. It's actually one word in the Greek, and the word is "huperniko," and it actually doesn't really make sense because Paul makes the word up. You see, the normal word for conqueror or victory um, is just niko, and to the Greeks. It was, it was something that only a god could attain. Humans, uh, mere flesh, could never attain victory. And it was a victory uh, that, was, uh, that was won by an overthrowing force, by an overpowering force. And a human couldn't attain it, only a god could. And you may know the Greek god, Nicky, the god of war and victory. You know... That's how monumental this idea of victory was to the Greeks. But Paul, because there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, using the word victory just wasn't enough. Because there's actually no real way to explain the victory that Christian, Christians can experience. Because it is such a powerful paradox. So he uses the word, not nico, but hupernico, which is like saying bettererah right? I'm betterer than you. And and literally it means you're an over-conqueror. You are more than a conqueror because of him who loves us. And the Bible is saying to us today that the victory we experience in Christ Jesus is nothing compared... uh, The victory the Greeks experienced in war and battle is nothing compared to the experience of victory we have in Christ Jesus. It doesn't make sense. It can't be expressed in human language. We don't conquer because we are victorious in our daily life here and now. We don't conquer because we have our whole life together. We are more than conquerors because of Him who loved us. It's so hard for me to explain. We are more than conquerors because there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I remember when this first clicked for me, and I am shamefully aware of, of my human nature, my failings. And it's more than just bad actions. Sin and human nature is more than just bad actions, right? Going out and punching someone in the head, right? That is a horrible action. But sin is so much more than that. Sin is the condition of our heart. And, and, and I'm, shame, I'm shamefully aware of who I am, but there came for me this realization that when Christ lives in me, his life is represented in me. You see, Jesus, when he walked this earth, he didn't just live life on your behalf. He lived life as you. Now, that's a powerful thing to think about. When Jesus died on the cross, he didn't just die on the cross for you. He died on the cross as you. Now, that is a really powerful thing to think about. When Jesus Christ was raised back to life, he, didn't just, he wasn't just raised back to life on your behalf, he was raised back to life because it is a powerful symbol that you too will be raised back to life. Now these are powerful things to think about. And I remember when this clicked for me, that Jesus didn't just die for me, he died as me. This gave me an unexplainable hope that my salvation was not dependent on my ability to keep the law. Because when I focus on my ability to keep the law or when I focus on my ability to overcome sin or when I focus on my ability to be a better person, the result is always sin, flesh, and death. But when I focus on the fact that there is no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, when I meditate on the idea that we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us, I get to experience freedom in the Spirit. Not because of who I am, but because of who He is. And that is a powerful thing. And I used my Christianity, you know, I was raised, um, I don't know how many of you were raised Seventh-day Adventist. I was raised as a Seventh-day Adventist. And, And I was raised in a pretty strict home in North Queensland. And to the point, it'd be like the middle of summer, right? And this was my picture of God. Go to my cousin's house after church and they were allowed to go swimming in the pool. Okay. And my family had this, we- my mum had this weird rule that after church, I wasn't allowed to go swimming because it's the Sabbath. Right. And I couldn't break God's law. And it's so hot in Townsville, as you all know. And okay. So, this is what it means to be a Christian, not to break the rules of God. In fact, maybe to make more rules to protect the rules. Of God. And this was my experience of Christianity all the way through my teenage years where this is how I live my life. And the only thing I experienced was my own ability. And anyone who knows me knows actually I'm not that capable of much as it is. But when it clicked for me, Of who Jesus is and his great love for me, and that he has declared, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, that I can experience salvation through the freedom, the law of freedom, and the spirit. It clicked for me for the first time that it's not about me, it is about him. And that is why I am more than a conqueror. That is why, right here, right now, you can, you can know and you can believe and you can trust that despite the things you're struggling with in your life, despite the experiences you may be going through, despite knowing the darkness of your own heart, you can hold your head up high and know, I am more than a conqueror, not because of me, but because of him who loves us. Isn't that an awesome thing to think about? An awesome thing to meditate on because of God's great love. What a victory. It's a great paradox because we're helpless sinners that are more than victorious. What does it mean to you to know that right here, right now, you are more than a conqueror? You are more than victorious because of him who loved us. But there's more. Verse 37. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation we will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. There is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that, isn't that encouraging to know that there is absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God. Now, i go back to my experience of experiencing the law through the sin, the flesh, and death. When I first got my pea my plates and my dad let me drive his car for the first time, one of the, the first thing he said to me, angels leave at 100. What was he saying? He's telling me there's things that can separate me from the love of God. And as a father, I can understand why he lied to me right? And um, I'd probably do it to my son as well. But what picture of God does that tell me? That tells me that there are things that can separate me from the love of God. When I was Bible working in Western Sydney and, um, and you know, um, dealing with um, people from all different cultures in the world and dealing with some really strict, um, I suppose you could say, traditional Christians, and, and this is what the elders would always tell the youth of the church. You know that club you went to on Friday night? Your angels were waiting outside for you. What does that tell you about the love of God? It tells you that there's limits to the love of God. This one's for the older folks. You probably were raised, especially raised in some Christian homes, uh, that when you go to the movie theater, right, Dale was laughing because it happened to him, didn't it? When you go to the movies, God's not going to go in with you because it's evil in there. Oh, you okay? There you go. Pastor's daughter. That's right. Right. Now, what does that tell us about the love of God? It tells us that there's limits to the love of God. And when that's your idea of the love of God, the only experience of salvation you will ever have is one through the through the law of sin, death, and the flesh. But when you come to know that God is the God of love, your entire relationship with Him changes. And when you come to experience the fact that God knows you, yet still loves you with everything he is, you come to realize there's nowhere God won't go. In fact, there's nowhere where God isn't. In fact, to say there is a place or a speed limit or whatever it may be, and I'm not saying go out and do the wrong thing. That's not what this is all about. But to know that there is no limit or no boundary to God's love is what truly changes your life to experience the law of the Spirit and of freedom and of life. To know that God is with me when I walk down the darkest valley, that gives me a motivation to turn the other way. To know that even though sometimes I stumble and I fall or sometimes I make a decision I know is not God's will for my life, yet to know that God still loves me, that gives me hope To know that God promises never to leave me, no matter what I may be experiencing, whether self-inflicted or otherwise. See, because God is love. And that's what makes us more than victorious. And that's why it's such a great paradox to know God's love. Isn't that amazing? There is no limit, there is no boundary to God's love. In fact, there is neither height nor depth that can separate us from God's love. Now, the height, you know, in the Bible days, just like is commonly believed today, people believed in the star sign. Now today some people may not take it as seriously as others, you know. Some people just like to read it in the newspaper for a bit of a laugh or whatever. But some people take it really serious to the point where they believe nothing in their life um, everything in their life is out of their own control because of the fate of their star sign. It's no different in the Bible days. And the height there is neither height nor depth. The height represents the star when it had the greatest influence over someone's life. In fact, it was your fate. There was nothing you could do about it. You know, if you've ever watched any of those old school movies like Vikings or anything like that, you know, everything's about destiny and fate and everything's out of your control. And this is what people believed back in the Bible days as well. But, but the Bible's saying no height can separate you from the love of God. There's no external influence, no external experience that can separate you from the love of God. In fact, there's neither depth that can separate you from the love of God. And depth represents when your star sign was at its weakest weakest point because you were dead. And there's nothing deeper than the grave. If there's nothing higher than your stars, there's nothing deeper than the grave. And this is what the Greeks of, of the Bible days believed. And when Paul writes in Romans that there is neither height nor depth, he is saying there's absolutely nothing that can separate you from the love of God, and there's a reason for it. And the reason why there is neither height nor depth that can separate you from the love of God is because Jesus Christ died on the cross. He died on the cross for you, not just for you, but he died on the cross as you. And see, he didn't just stay on the cross because, you know, um, he was buried in a tomb and there is nothing deeper than the depths of the grave, but the grave couldn't hold him down. See, the depths couldn't hold him and he broke forth three days after his death and he was raised back to life, but he wasn't just raised back to life to walk around planet earth as some moral leader. He wasn't raised um, back to life just to uh, remind politicians of of not repeating history or whatever it may be. He was raised back to life, and he, he exceeded the stars. He went back to the heavenly thrones where he is seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you and for I. Jesus is below and above all things because he died on the cross for you and I. There is no height nor depth that can separate you from the love of God. There is now nothing in this universe that can stop God from loving you. Isn't that an amazing thing to think about? And that's where our victory comes from. That's why we are not condemned because of who we are. That's why we can experience the law of freedom and life in the spirit because of what Jesus has done for us and because of his great love for us. His love for us is continuous. There's nothing left to separate us from him. So what does this mean for your life and my life? Well, I hate to be real simple about it, but the gospel is a simple thing. This is what it means for you and for me. It means, one, right here, right now, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. doesn't matter how much mud's on your shirt. doesn't matter how messy your life is. It doesn't matter about the mistakes of your past. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. What does it mean right here, right now, for your life and for my life? It means that we are more than conquerors. Even though we are as helpless as sheep being led to slaughter because of who we are as human beings, we are more than conquerors because of him who loved us. It means that there's nothing left to separate us from his love. And how do we come to experience this in our daily life? Well, the first thing and and only thing which is so simple and it's too simple for us to accept sometimes because it takes us to trust in him despite of who we are. And this is where the dilemma is. Because I won't trust anyone I don't know. And so the real application that we need to walk away from this building and live our life throughout this week is to come to know the love of God for ourselves, Because when we come to know him, we learn to trust him we learn to trust the great paradox that we are victorious saints despite of who we are right here, right now. We come to experience the love of God. It means that when we share our faith with others, we don't share behavior management for them to become better people. We share the love of God. It means when we're filled with doubt because we're focused on our life and the things we're going through. It means, in, despite our feelings, we choose to trust in who God has called us. And he has called us his people. He has called us victorious. He has called us free from condemnation. He has called us to know and trust in his great love for us. And so I want to pray for you this morning. And we pray to our heavenly Father, Lord, that we may come to experience and to trust what it means to trust in you. To know that, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in you. To realize this great mystery that we are more than victorious, even though we're sheep that are led to the slaughter. To know that there is absolutely nothing left that can separate us from your love. To know, Lord, to know you, the spirit of freedom and of life, which you have freely given us, to rest in the fact that salvation is not something we can work for or towards, but salvation is something we simply allow you to gift to us. May this be our experience. Thank you.